Well, hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the T. Druff, the Film Buff Podcast. This week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run down my top 10 favorite movies of the year. I guess you can also say the best movies I've seen all year, although there's a kind of a, a gray area there as to you know what's favorite versus what's best. And the interesting thing about 2019 is that coming into the year, I thought that this could be one of the greatest years for film ever, considering you know you had tons of big franchises, not only ending, but a lot of them um, you know also still in mid shape uh, form there, and uh, plenty of just great other movies that we knew were coming out. Just a long list of just massive either blockbuster, just anticipated films that were all coming out this year, um, and so far it I. I'm not going to say it's been a letdown. I think that that's unfair. But it's certainly been a middling year for the bigger blockbuster movies. Plenty of great movies I'm going to get to on my lists here. But, um, I, you know, I, a lot of movies are just meh, you know, this year. There's, there's plenty of time to, to change that. And uh, what's great is that, you know, we're not even into the Oscar-type season so a lot of the movies that will be up for oscars we haven't even heard of yet because you know they haven't started marketing or um, we just don't know the release dates for any of them yet so um i think the second half is going to be pretty awesome um but let's get right to you know how i felt about this year so far my top 10 um coming in at number 10 and i did talk about this movie about a month ago on one of my shows which is a dog's journey and it's directed by gail and Cuso. Um, continuation, uh, you know, really where the first film leaves off. Um, Dennis Quaid is, is getting older. He's got a kid, a grandkid, and, um, the, you know, the, the dog, Bailey, kind of boss dog, whatever you want to call the dog, now is, um, you know, looking after his, his granddaughter. And so it's a, a nice continuation, but also it kind of feels like the end of the franchise. I'm not really sure where you can go from here that, would, that wouldn't feel genuine um, unless you completely do a new family, a new dog, new story. But um, it seems like the end here. And, I, I man, did I cry a lot in this movie. And for the first hour and 15 or so, it didn't seem like I was going to really lose it at all um, during the movie, just like I... Know, did in the first movie but um, certainly towards the last 15 minutes um, you have the scene with Catherine Prescott and Betty uh, Gilpin's character kind of reuniting after a long time uh, that was very very emotional and I didn't expect to get emotional on anything to do with a human sequence in this movie uh, but that was that was certainly the case there also the story with uh, the dog discovering the cancer um, and Catherine Prescott's uh, boyfriends in, in the movies, um, you know, that it, it's just like it, anything with dogs, really, it's just very touching. And we'll get to something else later on the list that kind of has that same sort of feel um, as having a dog. And, and, and um, you know, of course, the last 15 to 20 minutes with, you know, the heaven sequence and, and kind of how the, the reuniting of Dennis Quaid and, and Boss Dog there, uh, just extremely moving stuff. And, and also, this is a full spoiler discussion for any of these movies, so uh, we're just going to get get right to it, especially with uh, some of the movies at the top of the list. And can't really talk about them without spoiling anything. So, uh, Coming in at number nine, that would be Us, directed by Jordan Peele. I really didn't know what to think 
um, going in and honestly kind of coming out of the movie. I was, I was just, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but I love, love the marketing that Peel and the team did for this movie. Um, you know, releasing the first trailer on Christmas. You had no idea what this movie was going to be about. Even after the first trailer, you don't really know. It's only that, you know, you're, you're your own worst enemy type story, which is uh, fantastic, especially after, um, you know, Jordan Peele's breakout film, Us, or I'm sorry, uh, Get Out, a couple years ago, nominated for all those Oscars. And, um, you know, he did, he did a nice blend of horror and social commentary in that movie. There's not really as much social commentary, at least that I, you know, I've only seen the movie once, but at least that I think in, in, in this movie, not as much as Get Out, but um, certainly some powerful stuff in here. The music is just brilliant. I love the way they, you know, work in the, the I Got Five on It song with the haunting score. Um, and this movie is one of those things, and it's it's, it's kind of coming up a lot nowadays with uh, Game of Thrones, Avengers, Star Wars, where y- you know y- you have expectations going in, you have concepts or predictions of what you know the story is going to be about, and then you know you, th- your expectations really can never be met when you have uh, you know so many theories and um, it's 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 impossible. So it's like a no-win situation. So I think this movie was almost as good as it really could have been. Um, did, certainly didn't like it as much as Get Out, but it, it's more than, I mean, it's way better than most of the, the horror movies out there. So uh, pretty, pretty dang freaky movie and ultimately you know, pretty pro- provocative. So uh, I do appreciate that, especially when a, a movie in the horror genre can do that. So coming in at number eight is a movie that I did couldn't care less for uh, before I saw it. Um, didn't like, didn't like the sport, didn't like the, the, the subject of the film, um, and not the actual person it's based on, just the, you know, the subject itself of wrestling, which is Fighting With My Family, um, directed by Stephen Merchant, um, way better than I expected, um, kind of like a couple other movies coming up here, I just, the trailers, I, I think they were fine, but nothing grabbed me, and it kind of shows based on the box office numbers that didn't really grab a lot of other people either. The word of mouth was great on this movie, um, but couldn't really save uh, the box office for sure. And I, you know, I don't watch wrestling at all, but I was ultimately pretty moved by the, you know, the end product and where Paige's story goes, uh, how she gets there, the story with her brother. And how you know he, she's got to kind of leave him behind. And it was really you know his dream even earlier than hers. And it's it's you know it it's kind of sad in a way, but at the same time it's very uplifting. It's very emotionally like poignant. Um, and this is really where Florence Pugh kind of comes. It's her coming out party. Um, you know I know she had you know movies beforehand like Lady Macbeth. Um, the Falling with Maisie Williams is pretty solid as well. Great acting there. Um, and, of course, Outlaw King last year, which I absolutely loved. And I loved her performance in that. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is their first real starring role. And, you know, we're going to see what she's going to do um, with the Greta Gorig film, uh, you know, Little Women, later on this year. We're going to see how, I don't know how media of a role that is. There's plenty of fantastic actresses there. So, I'm sure there's going to be you know, widespread love throughout the, the, the cast. So, uh, but it's also you know very funny movie. Um, 
especially this stuff with Nick Frost and everybody back home, Lena Headey. Um, I watch anything with Lena Headey in it. She's so freaking fantastic at what she does. Um, but yeah, very funny, heartfelt. More people should have seen this movie, but ultimately, you know, if it ends up on a lot of people's, you know, end of the year best list, then I think it's done its job. So coming in at number seven, that would be Long Shot, directed by Jonathan Levine. Um, just like I mentioned with Fighting With My Family, I think the trailers for this movie were horrible, like absolutely garbage. It looked like something that was coming out of the early 90s, dated, which in a way kind of has, the charm of the movie is kind of how it feels like a little nostalgic. It feels kind of old school in its ways um, with, with, with the, the romantic comedy angle. Um, Seth Rogen and Charlie's Throne, come on. Like in real life, it, would I really believe that, that she would fall in love with Seth Rogen? No offense, Seth, just not the best looking guy. Um, but I completely believed in the movie. I mean, the way they set up the story, I completely bought into their romance, which is the single most important thing in a, in a romantic film. You have to buy into the chemistry of the actors or else none of the scenes after are really going to matter. But this is also a pretty funny movie. And the movie's funny enough for a while that you're like, wow, are they going to not really dip into the typical raunchy Seth Rogen humor? Um, and kind of physical humor that, that he always has in his movies, but they didn't for a while up until about the 15-minute left mark in the movie, and that's kind of where I kind of lost a little bit of respect for the movie. I just wish it would have stayed away from a lot of that. Um, the sequence, you know, with Seth Rogen on the laptop, I just, uh, I, I didn't need to see that. I, I did not need to see that. It could have been done much differently with much of graphic nature we'll say so um but again it's a great movie way better than i expected um yeah i mean it's one of the best one maybe the best romantic film of the year i think it probably is um if we're not considering one of the the ones coming up is a romantic film or not it's kind of in between so i'm not sure but that's number seven. Coming in at number six, we have Gloria Bell, directed by Sebastian Lillo. I, I gotta be honest, I can't really explain why I love this movie. I, I don't, the, the most of the movie is just, it's pretty okay. Um, it's a good drama. Um, there's good, you know, heft, like dramatic heft to a lot of, uh, you know, Julianne Moore scenes here. Um, especially as she's, you know, kind of, it's like a, like a midlife crisis type of story. Um, she's kind of just got to find her, what, what is she meant to do on this earth? Like what, what is her, what is her purpose besides, you know, raising her kids and, and things like that? Um, the final 10 minutes is where the movie really, really takes off for me. When the song Gloria starts playing and Julianne Moore's character can't help but just start dancing, the movie went from probably a seven to an 8.7 out of 10 for me. It's just There's something about the last 10 minutes that are so riveting um, and freeing. Um, I, I, I really, I couldn't, I, I didn't want to leave the theater. I just wanted to keep humming along to that song, um, watching watching Julianne Moore dance her butt off. So that, I mean, it, that's to me, if you don't like the movie for the first hour or so, I get it, but stick with it. Um, it really, really takes off near the end. So, that, so that's, 
that's Gloria Bell. And then we get into the top five, um, which is that movie that I'm not sure you can really consider uh, a romantic film or not, and that would be Booksmart, directed by Olivia Wilde. The chemistry here, and I, 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 what I just said about Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen, the chemistry is vital, but the chemistry here between Caitlin Dever um, and Beanie Feldstein, fantastic. Uh, just sisterly love between two best friends. Um, and I, you know, I, of course, I, I, I talked, I talked about this movie a lot a couple weeks ago, but um, it's really just super bad for this generation. Like, hilarious, and just as I said, um, for fighting with my family, just very emotionally powerful. Um, without really overdoing it, after the first time I watched, it, I was like, "This is this is very good," but what what is it trying to say? Like, what, what, like, what was the point? I mean, I get it's like another coming of age. Just, it's very good, but like, what am I missing here? And then the second time I watched it, I just really, I just fell in love with all these characters. I mean, you, you have so many decorated and, and uh, you know, in-depth characters that are written so, so well. And I really wish this movie would have made much more money at the box office, but it's kind of a common theme this year. You know, the blockbusters make all the money and then the rest of them kind of get swept under the rug. But I could really watch this movie like 10 times in theaters. It's fantastic. Um, coming in at number four is Toy Story 4, which is directed by Josh Cooley. And, and kind of like what I said about Booksmart, you know, I did just talk about this movie pretty in depth last week, so there's not really much more I can say. I love the ending to you know Woody's arc here. Really can't imagine this movie, or I can't imagine the series without this movie um, at this point. So not much more I can say. Fantastic. Um, put away all my you know, skeptical or nature for this movie before the last couple of years since they announced it. Um, very, very good. So coming in at number three, it's a bit of a cheat because it wasn't theatrically released at all, but I guess if we're including Netflix movies as well, then um, you know an HBO movie can count too. And this is also a documentary, so heck, whatever. Game of Thrones, The Last Watch, directed by Jeannie Finley. Um, as I said, you know, a month or so ago, I absolutely love the approach they took with this movie. I love that it's not actually really in-depth with, you know, David and Dan or any of the actors. You get a little bit of that, um, but it's 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 not, it's not at all what I expected. So um, I just love the approach of, of kind of focusing on the extras, um, of the, the hairstylist for Daenerys, um, I mean, who else was uh, the set director, the guy who creates the snow, um, then there was one of the longtime producers, the makeup artist for um, you know, some of the walkers, uh, then they focused on Vlad a little bit, who plays the Night King, or at least did in the last couple of seasons. I mean, it, the stuff that I never thought I needed to learn more about, I loved it. I mean, I really, I can't get enough of that documentary. It's one of only three films, the last three movies. I've actually given 10 out of 10 this year. And I know, you know, whatever, no movie's perfect, but that doesn't mean you can't give a 10 out of 10 to. So Game of Thrones, the last watch. If you've seen the series, go watch it. It's, you know, I don't want to say it, but it's kind of like a palate cleanser for the last season, especially with, you know, all of the hate going towards the actual story. I love I love just, you can't hate this behind the scenes 
take on Game of Thrones. So that's Game of Thrones, the last watch. Coming in at number two, which one will it be? Avengers Endgame, directed by the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony Russo. I've seen it six times in the theater, going to see it a seventh time, hopefully early next week. Um, again, it, it, it's one of the movies I've talked nonstop about. Uh, it's it, Same thing with Infinity War. So th- this is the funny thing about Infinity War and um, in Endgame is that the first time I watched it, it's not that I was disappointed but I was expecting that like the the approach was so different than what I thought we were getting for some reason. Like in Infinity War, I was like, "This is the biggest team up movie of all time. We're going to get characters meeting each other for the first time ever." Blah 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 blah, which we do. But largely, the movies like three or four separate stories all going on at the same time, um, and you kind of have to bounce back and forth. Spend forty minutes without Captain America at one point. Um, then you have the Guardians and Thor in one area, Tony. Doctor Strange, Spidey, and another um, Captain America, Black Panther, all of them on the ground in Wakanda. It's like it's like, for the first time I watched. It, I was like, "Come on, like, what? Are they not going to team up at the end? Or like, are they not all going to fight Thanos?" And little did I know they were saving all of that for Endgame, because the last forty minutes of that movie are some of the best filmmaking I have ever seen. How they managed to balance all of the characters um provide an emotional weight to everything we're seeing on screen um how they finished off cap and iron man story is brilliant it's it's heartbreaking but it's also just you can't imagine it going anywhere else now like i remember before the movie i was expecting captain america to be the one to die and iron man would be the the one there right by his side watching him die. But it's like, no. Like I, I now looking back, I'm like, yeah, I absolutely love the fact that Captain America got to go, you know, spend most of his life with Peggy Carter and and Iron Man sacrificed himself for everybody and ends with the line, I am Iron Man, just like the way the first Iron Man ended. It's just it's it's freaking brilliant stuff. Um absolutely adored that movie. I've seen it six times as I said. And maybe I'll see it a couple more times as well. I know it's coming out on Blu-ray and 4K in like a month or so. So I think it's just, it's you can't miss this movie. It's a cultural phenomenon. I hope it passes Avatar this week with the re-release, in quotation marks, because it's never actually left theaters. But the extra footage hopefully will push um, push the ticket sales up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's a perfect complement to Infinity War, especially with the approach being such a more slow and, and building... Um, I love the fact that they go back in time and kind of have to fix things as much as time travel has been overused in the past. I, I, I really do love the way they used it here. Um, yeah, man, and I love that Cap and Iron Man kind of get their last um, actual story to, to, to go through together. Because in the other Avengers movies, I mean, they're with each other, but they're with a team, right? So they don't actually get like a, a, a cop, to, cop team, cop t- team up duo type story buddy cop whatever you want to call it and, and i love that so uh fantastic um it's one of those movies just like my number one on my list where if i listen to the score for certain scenes um in the movie i instantly go back to it um and i also never forget the first time i saw it didn't cry up at all kind of i was like yeah this wasn't like 
you know, I, I kind of like wasn't surprised by anything in the movie, like blah, 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 blah. And then the second time I watched it and through the sixth time, um, just absolutely lost it in the theaters during several scenes. Like when Spidey and Iron Man uh, hug for the first time, I think that that it's absolutely just, oh, I love that Iron Man doesn't say anything. Um, when the portals open up, not only does every single hair on my body raise and I get goosebumps and um, I get jacked, jacked up for that scene, but I start crying just like watching Cap stand up to, to everybody um, out there and all of Thanos' army, one last stand, you know, I could do this all day type of thing. And then the portals open up on your left, everybody comes out, the score kicks in, Alan Silvestri kills it there. It's like, it's just, it's. What can I say? It's literally some of the best filmmaking I have ever seen. Um, and I can't imagine this not being in my top two. It may even jump up to number one by the end of the year. We'll see. But man, man, oh man, oh man. Avengers Endgame. Unlike anything I've probably ever seen, maybe I ever will see. It's the end of a 11-year run, 22-film saga. Jeez. Wow, that was something. Uh, number one, How to Train a Dragon 3, directed by Dean DeBloy. The Hidden World is the uh, undertitle that they use for the movie. I will say, I mean, out of all the franchises that are ending this year, you have How to Train Your Dragon, you have Avengers, you have Star Wars, um, you have Arrow ending on TV, you have Game of Thrones ending. How to Train Your Dragon was surprisingly, like, the one that I found myself least excited for, although the first Hunter Train Dragon movie is top 15 all time for me. I just absolutely love that movie. But there was something about the trailers that I, I wasn't I wasn't completely on board with. Um, maybe it was that Ed Sheeran song they were using. I'm not sure, but wow. I mean, I'm telling you right now, just as I said Avengers Endgame, how much I cried during that movie for the last couple of times I've seen it. I will never, ever forget when I when I first saw How to Train Your Dragon three, and I got to see it like three weeks early because AMC Stubbs was doing some sort of promotion. It was one day only. It was like the Saturday before the Super Bowl, uh, I believe. And I will never forget. I was in a packed theater at AMC Woodfield. Um, there's probably only about seventy to eighty seats in the theater, but because uh, they have you know those recliner seats. But I remember sitting next to this you know, macho, big guy, big beard, big muscles, like he was probably there just for his, you know, his kids, um, and I remember sitting next to him, like, come on, like, sitting, there's certain vibes you get from sitting next to people that are like, I'm not gonna cry, I'm not gonna show my emotion, uh, to, you know, to this guy next to me, of course, it's a completely, like, ridiculous thing to think, uh, in this day and age, of course, but I'm like, you know, I cry in movies quite often, like, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, if a movie moves me, I'm gonna cry, you know, it's what half this list I probably cried on Toy Story 4, Avengers, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Fighting with My Family. I kind of teared up at the end. Dog's Journey, certainly. Um, so I, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that at all. And I, you know, I'm not going to hold back tears, but I'm like, there's no way I'm going to cry next to this guy. But I remember when Light Fury saves Hiccup uh, when he falls off, you know, after Toothless gets hit with the a little poison or whatever the heck the the, the guy was uh, poisoning him with or controlling the dragons with 
after toothless or hiccup falls off toothless um and the light fury is kind of forced to go and save him and the music kicks in right when he is saved and, and the head kind of turns and looks at toothless or a hiccup i gotta keep getting those mixed up the music kicks in um you know from john powell just out of nowhere i did not expect it just when the music hits like that the, the main theme starts playing just tears goosebumps just i couldn't i couldn't stop it like i had no choice um and then from there on out the last 15 minutes are some of the most devastating but also heartfelt and heartbreaking and emotionally fulfilling minutes uh, of all year and that's why it's number one over avengers is that the last 15 minutes and it's, i know it's the same as avengers um you know the last 30 minutes of that movie are uh, spectacular as well but there's something about the last 15 minutes having a dog as i mentioned er, mentioned earlier and toothless is such like a dog type character to hiccup and the fact that like they have to kind of send the dragons away because you know the world is not accepting of them and ultimately there's going to be another big bad bad guy you know right around the corner for the next you know movie you know in quotation marks if they ever do a next movie like that would be the story because you know there's always somebody want to control the dragons or killing the dragons it's all it's endless circle but that's why i love the ending that they actually had to send them away it's like you know the world's not ready yet you know who's to say they won't be ready in a couple years and then i love the coda essentially of uh you know after toothless and astrid or god i keep saying toothless Hiccup and Astrid get married and then have kids. They're kind of going off and they're going to see Toothless and, and the Light Fury and all their baby dragons for the first time in years. It's that very, uh, you know, emotional music building scene. Um, just that whole time, I'm crying. I'm crying the whole time. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And then the ending song, of course, by John C. It's fantastic stuff and... I mean, one and two, Avengers and How to Train Your Dragon kind of flip-flop. But How to Train Your Dragon 3 has been my favorite movie of the year since February 6th or whatever that day it was that I saw it. And I don't know that I can imagine any film kind of jumping out of it at this point. So we'll see, but that's the list. Um, I guess we'll go through honorable mention at this point. So let me go ahead and pull up my list for the year. So... Once again, at number 10, we have A Dog's Journey. At number 9, we have Us. At number 8, we have Fighting With My Family. At number 7, we have Long Shot. At number 6, we have Gloria Bell. At number 5, Booksmart. Number 4 is Toy Story 4. Number 3 is Game of Thrones The Last Watch. Number 2, Avengers Endgame. And number 1 on my list for the favorite movies so far this year as we're six six months in. How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. So now we're gonna get oh, a mention of the, you know, the other movies that I've seen that were close but just missed the, the cut, and that was the movie I saw just about a couple of weeks ago, and that was Rocket Man. Uh, great movie as well. Shazam, way better than I expected. Another movie where I thought the trailers were pretty bad, and DC hasn't really been hitting and, you know, hitting the target the last couple of times. But I did really like Shazam. Hotel Mumbai is it? Very underrated, underseen movie. Uh, technically, I believe uh, it was, was released in a festival in 2018, but ultimately, you know, worldwide, actually released in 2019. I really liked The Kid Who Would Be King, which is one of the first movies I saw all year. Uh, I did like that documentary, or as much as you can like a documentary about the subject that they tackled, but Leaving Neverland. 
Um, Triple Frontier was pretty good. Always Be My Maybe, a recent edition, was pretty good. I just saw yesterday, this morning, um, the the Beatles movie. That was pretty good. Arctic was pretty good. Happy Death Day to You. Um, And even like Alita Battle Angel and Aladdin, all pretty good movies. Um, Lego Movie 2, I feel like it's the most forgotten movie of the year, like how good that was, and then nobody remembers it. Um, So... Again, that's that's the list. Um, you know, we'll see what we're going to do next week. I think I have an idea that I think after I see Spider-Man Far From Home at midnight on Monday night, I'll probably do you know, a deep dive review at some point mid-next week before the 4th. Um, but that's the list. That's where we're at right now. One more time from the top. A Dog's Journey, Us, Fighting With My Family, Long Shot, Gloria Bell, Booksmart, Toy Story 4, Game of Thrones The Last Watch, Avengers Endgame, How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. Um, That's the list right there. And real quickly, let's go ahead and pull up my most anticipated movies that I have not seen yet um, for the rest of the year. So we have Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, of course. The Lion King comes out in a couple weeks can't wait for that movie the irishman the martin scorsese uh, biopic which has the de-aging technology that will be released on netflix fascinated by that movie of course once upon a time in hollywood getting rave reviews but i can't wait to actually see it when it finally comes out it chapter 2 frozen 2 zombie land double tap spider-man far from home which i'm seeing in two days fast and furious presents Hobbs and shaw of course the untitled jumanji sequel which I hope they get that movie out by the end of the year, but man, they only started filming three or four months ago, and with a movie that has that many effects, we'll see. Uh, And finally, the last couple of movies I can't wait to see. I was fascinated by Joker, and now that they pushed Doctor Sleep's release date up until this year, can't wait to see that. But that's the list. That's what we're looking forward to the end of 2019. Until next time, thanks.